This is Meditations for Misfits, and I'm Fred Gruy. As the story from Genesis that we have started to look at in the last few podcasts continues to unfold, and after the dread of aloneness that drove our ancestors into hiding that I've talked about, we next come face to face with another aspect of the existential angst, which is fruit of the birth of consciousness, and that is, who am I? Now, one of the oldest temples of worship in the Western world was located in Delphi in ancient Greece and carved in stone above the threshold of the temple where the words, know thyself. Sadly, the instructions weren't included. Now, numerous philosophers, particularly existentialist ones like Heidegger and Sartre, tell us that it's impossible to know ourselves apart from being in relationship with others. And our English word reflection is, uh, captures what they're trying to say to us. So, for example, one meaning of the word reflection is the image I get uh, as I look into a mirror. And then the other meaning of reflection that we often use is uh, when I sit down and meditate or pray or contemplate. And these two meanings of the word reflection for the existentialist philosophers are uh, intertwined. They're combined. And what they would say to us is the only way I can have any idea of who I am when I sit and contemplate myself is by the reflection that others in my life give to me. For example, I have a son and he reflects back to me father and my wife reflects back to me husband and my work colleagues reflect back to me chaplain or colleague. And you get the idea. And so we take all of these bits of reflections of who we are, which are all incomplete, and we sit and we pray, meditate, and we put them all together to come up with some idea of who we are and why I am. Now, for me, one of the most significant relationships, as I've shared over the years, has been uh, with God, which brings the question that, uh, the second question uh, that's attributed to God in the Bible that I bring forward uh, for your consideration today. And the second question is this, who told you you were naked? And put it another way, what are the relationships in your life reflecting back to you who you are? Now there's an African proverb that says we are made not merely of flesh and blood, but of stories. And now for me, this proverb captures the great project of trying to understand who I am, to, to know myself. And as I struggle to make sense out of what it is I'm doing here on this planet at this time, why I'm alive, we create, as or I create, and I imagine you do as well, stories of trying to make sense of these disparate voices or reflections back to us and experiences we've had, and we try to weave these all together into some basic meta story or big story on how things ought to be and who I am, and then some people call this a worldview. Now, creating this story of who I am and why I am is like uh, printing a photograph in the old color separation process way. For a number of years, I worked at a Kinko's selling color copies. And uh, when people would bring in a photograph they wanted 
put into a brochure. In the old days, we had to separate the the colors of the photograph into four basic colors, and we would put those on different sheets of clear acetate. They were cyan, magenta, yellow, and black. So we would take a color photograph, separate out those four colors onto four different sheets of acetate, and and then, so when you would look at one like the yellow sheet, it just looked like a splotch of yellow on a clear sheet, and the magenta one, a splotch of magenta. But when you laid them on top of each other, magically, millions of colors came together out of these basic four, and you could see the full color photograph, photograph as it was supposed to be. So instead of four different colored acetates, we pulled together from our personal life experiences, from bits reflected back to us, from the people we're in relationship with. We take pieces from our culture and our personal transcendental beliefs, our God concept, as I say, to create this story, all for the purpose of making sense out of our experience and our existence. Now, the stories that we weave together from these various strands of information create our basic orientation to life of who we are and how things ought to be. But what happens if these initial reflections back to us from the people we're in relationship with are cracked or distorted or like those funny mirrors in an amusement park? What if they tell us that we're naked that we're not good enough, that we're lacking. Well, another of my trusted spiritual guides, Henry Nowen, describes this feeling of humid nakedness like this. He writes, The enormous propensity to seek recognition, admiration, popularity, and renown is rooted in the fear that without all of these, we are worthless. The result is a state of mind that makes us live is though our worth as human beings is dependent upon the way others react to us. We allow other people to determine who we are. We think we're good if other people find us to be so. We think we're intelligent if others consider us intelligent. We think we're spiritual if others think so too. On the other side, if we're despised, we think at once we must be contemptible. If we're laughed at, we immediately think we must be ridiculous. If we're ignored, we jump to the conclusion that we're not worth being noticed. And so we submit the most intimate awareness of who we are to the fickle opinions of those around us. Thus, we sell our souls to the world. This fear of being naked leads us to a striving and neurotic ambition that's never satisfied. I know over the years, this fear of not being good enough, of being naked, has gotten me into all sorts of trouble. And then after failing to satiate this deep inner soul hunger, I look for ways to compensate my despair, and I've learned that whenever I hear this inner voice in my head say to me, you deserve whatever it is that comes next, is rarely good for me. Actually, not accepting who I am right now is a form of microaggression I commit against myself. Self-help books, fad diets, New Year's resolution, 
pressure to go to exercise classes can all be symptoms of inner feelings of worthlessness, fertilized by my culture's idolization of youth and beauty and looks and wisdom and all that stuff. Sadly, religion is not immune from exploiting these feelings of unworthiness in its followers. There are many unscrupulous spiritual guides who seduce adherence by promising they'll become better persons by attending this church or more enlightened beings by meditating on their mats. And we've created this spiritual culture of spiritual tourism where folks go from conference to conference to conference all looking for this deep inner acceptance. Now as crazy as all this may sound, what if God just loves you and me just as we are? What if God loves me, overweight, bald, neurotic, insecure, and all? What if God loves me, even if I never get my shit together? And so this is the second question we're going to look at uh, in the next couple of podcasts. This question attributed to God in Genesis. Who told you that you were naked? As always... Thanks so much for allowing me to join you for these few moments on your journey today. And again, I'd ask if you're finding any value in these podcasts, if you would kindly share them with your friends and community, I would be most appreciative. Our final thought today comes from Henry Now and Again. And Henry wrote, What I would like to say is that the spiritual life is a life in which you gradually learn to listen to a voice that says something that says, you are the beloved, and on you my favor rests. I want you to hear that voice. It's not a very loud voice because it is an intimate voice. It comes from a very deep place. It is often soft and gentle. I want you to gradually hear that voice. We both have to hear that voice and to claim for ourselves that that voice speaks the truth, our truth. It tells us who we are.